header. Here is Mandrew. Sakon in position. Oh, what a goal! What a goal from Danny Mandrew! The shot comes in! Oh, what a screamer! This is the real heart of soccer, quite frankly. Oh my God, what a finish. Well, Jordan Flores met that on the meet. Hello there, welcome to episode 14 of the LOI Arena podcast. Con Murphy and Conan Byrne here as usual. The LOI Arena podcast brought to you by Pundit Arena. You can access the podcast at the Pundit Arena website every Sunday night. It's also available on Spotify just after that as well. On the show this week, we're going to be talking to two of the stalwarts of the Women's National League, Kira Grant of Shelburne, who combines being a doctor with her football career, and Kylie Murphy of Wexford Youths, who's been playing with Wexford since the league started in 2011. And they both have very interesting stories to tell. So we'll be hearing from Kylie and from Kira shortly. Um, Conan, two interesting uh, guests coming up, but a very interesting uh, weekend in both the, uh, actually all the divisions in the Premier Division, in the First Division, and in the Women's National League. There's been some amazing results and amazing games this weekend. Um, Bowes winning the Dublin Derby 3 2 against St. Pat's, a dramatic night at Daly Mount. Shamrock Rovers coming from behind to beat Dundalk 3 1. Drogheda beating three, uh, beating Finn Harps 3-1 as well. And a bit of controversy in that one we talk about. Derry getting a home win at long last, 2-0 against Waterford. And Sligo Rovers on Saturday night beating Longford by a goal to nil. Jordan Gibson from the penalty spot. So now you have the two Rovers joint top on 38 and Pat's three points behind them. Having slipped up at Daly Mount, they'll be kicking themselves. Absolutely. Um, hugely kicking themselves. And I, I suppose, I think we should, uh, we should start with the Women's National League Con, considering... This fantastic games. We always start with the best game of the weekend, and um, considering that we have the two guests on, I think that we should we should start there because it was an incredible day of uh, football yesterday in the women's national league. Obviously, Pimeld equalising at Talca Park to make a three all in the 90th minute, and then Noel Murray with an unbelievable strike to to win the game. And the scenes at the end, at the end of that game were just incredible. They were uh, no king. Um, Pearl Slattery kissing the badge. Um, I kind of put out a tweet earlier on. I said, she, does she does it better than Declan Rice anyway? And <laughs> um, and then just the, the amazing scenes. And it just makes the league now for the Women's National League. It just makes it so much more interesting coming coming into the the, 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 game, the last the remaining games. Yeah. And the fact that Wexford Utes as well um, saw off Treaty 2-1. Another... Last kick. last kick of the game winner in that one as well, yeah, yeah from Avian. So, um, yeah, a wonderful, wonderful day of action in, in the Women's National League. And, um, yeah, stay tuned for the two interviews later on, guys, because it's yeah. very, very good. Shell's clear at the top of the table on 28 points, Piment on 25. That was Piment's first defeat of the season, Wexford on 24. Piment do have a game in hand still, though, so they could rejoin uh, Shell's at the top on 28 points. For Pearl Slattery, you mentioned her, um, 92 minutes on the clock, so two minutes into additional time. She scores an own goal and she thinks, oh, that's it, three all. And then a couple of minutes later, down the other end, Noel Murray scores again with the last kick of the game. So the relief, I suppose, for Pearl having scored an OG in, in stoppage time to, to suddenly, you know, clinch the game 4-3 against their biggest rivals. It was Roy the Rover stuff, actually. It was. Like, we've we've had Pearl on, on, on the pod before um, and we... The kind of 
the grit and determination that she showed she showed then and, and the, her love of football in general but of course of the of the women's game here as well shone through that day and yeah she probably she scored that goal and she's probably thinking to herself look i've cost us the league title here mm. um mm. and to go up the pitch and show that heart and that determination that will to win to, to that um that fight and to score a goal in that in those circumstances and the type of goal it was as well um yeah like you it must be extra special. I don't. Did you ever score a goal like sort of five, six minutes into stoppage time to win a match? Or yeah, something? I actually I remember against them. Um, it was in the twenty fourteen season. It was against Cork City actually, and then put us top of the league in twenty fourteen. I think it was around April May time, and um, it was two all. They um they'd scored with uh, about five minutes to go, and then Johnny Dunleavy actually played me about five yards onside, and I just put it into the bottom corner. And yeah, the feeling you get is incredible, but. I just think for in this circumstance where they're playing like it's first v second, P-mount equalised to stay to keep that gap at the top, and then to go up the pitch and score like that, score a goal the way they did, and the scenes afterwards is is incredible. And it gave it gave Wexford even a mighty lift going into their game against Treaty because then they're only four points off now. Um, and I can only imagine like Kylie Murphy if she had a scored that penalty on the opening day of the season against P-mount Con where she where she missed, and then they they went down the down the pitch and um, Eleanor Ryan Doyle scored. Um, to make to to give the three points to Piemont that day, you can only imagine what it would have been like if uh, what the situation would have been like then if if uh, if she had scored that penalty that day. Yeah, and you mentioned Wexford Utes. I mean, uh, the other results, by the way, Cork City one 0 against Bowes. Becky Casson, the winner there, and Katie Malone scored twice for DLR Waves as they beat going. But for the the Wexford Utes treaty match, uh, Lauren Keane equalizes for treaty on eighty nine minutes. So again, they think they've snatched a point. 95, 94 and a half, 95 minutes on the clock. Avian Clancy knocks in a long free kick from, you know, midway through the midway into the treaty half over everybody's head and, and one bounce into the net uh, and cue the chaotic scenes there. And as you say, I mean, it puts Wexford Youths right in the mix. I mean, they're only four points off. So, and they're away to Athlone next week. You'd fancy them to collect another three points there. So, um, yeah, you would. drama aplenty. Drama aplenty, as you said, yes. But as I said, a lot of people have been focusing on Shelburne and Piemont this season and, and with the success that Wexford have had over the last number of years, they're, they've been written off numerous times. So um, they're kind of coming in under the radar. You never know what might happen. And the, the thing about it is as well, they're getting... Um, uh, albeit limited numbers at the uh, matches now, but uh, at least people, fans are able to go to those games, um, which is creating like that. The as you say, the reaction to the um, the late winner for shells, the place was buzzing, and and likewise in, in Wexford. So it's great to see um, fans back in, fans back in as well in the uh, Premier Division. There were thousands at Tala uh, for their game, and then a couple of hundred at uh, some of the other matches. Interesting that Bose sold out their six thousand tickets for the European game in jig time and it just shows you there's an appetite out there at the moment Conan, for people to go and watch live live sport live football it is and it's just it's wonderful to see we kind of got a sense of what it, what it was like with the euros like in in the earlier rounds the group stages and, and whatnot and for, like i said before that football is a uh, like remember we had that chat with neil fenn at the start of the season where he was saying oh football is nothing without with it you can't play to your full potential without a crowd there. And I disagreed with him. I was like, look, a footballer is a footballer. You have to put your you have to put your football head on and, and professional yeah, hat on. Yeah. Block everything out and concentrate on your football. But from a neutral point of view and from a spectator point of view, you want to be at football matches. And um 
And even when you're looking at a football match, it's never the same when there's not a crowd there. Um, and just to see the the, the crowds um, there, and albeit it's not much con uh, as we know, but um, to see them there and smiles on faces, um, the little kind of the chance that the, the the usual chance that are coming back now that we haven't heard in so long, um, whether they're nice chance or not nice chance, um, they're still lovely to hear and. Um, like even the football, like there've been goals aplenty then over the last number of weeks since since this has happened, since the crowds have come back. It's like it's a new lease of life for the players even. Um, and yeah, I I think the the thousand at all. Obviously, you were there on on commentary duty. And how did you find the how did you find that experience? I know you did it. Uh, did it. Yeah, no, it was great. Um, absolutely brilliant. And the fact that a limited number of away fans are allowed in as well actually helps the atmosphere. Um, you know, the Dundalk fans were giving Richie Towell a bit of stick and Sean Gannon and Sean Hoare. And it, that's what it's about. You know, that's what football is. It's about, you know, rivalry. And um, so it made, it was great. Yeah, it made a big difference. And uh, the, the one thing I'm wondering about is like, you know, the way you used to bring your two girls to matches and uh, they're still very young. And so they're only kind of developing a, an interest in maybe knowing the names of some of the players and all that kind of stuff. Because there's now been like an 18-month gap, has that, have they managed to retain an interest or are you going to have to uh, reignite that? That's a very, very uh, good point because I'm sure that's happening in, in a lot of households throughout the country. No, they've lost interest, Con. Um, they do like watching football, but it's not the same. They love, especially Kayla. Kayla loves the live football. She's she's eleven this year. Um, they both play themselves, so um, they love the game and um, they love sitting down to watch it. But it's different when when you're streaming it and you're watching it on a, on a computer, and we don't have a smart TV in the house. So, um, but yeah, it's it, it's the live football. It's the live event. It's like getting in the car and going off and and getting their little treats ready and and watching the football match with their dad and. Um, asking about the different questions of what's going on there and why is he shouting like that or what's he cursing for those little types of things that haven't been and, and I'm, I'm missing it terribly because I loved and you know that I've loved bringing my children to games no matter what type of game it was even to talent <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah it's it's uh, it's something that I have missed as a, as a father uh, to be able to, yeah. to, to do that so it's a very very good very good and valid point because it's yeah. been a, it has been difficult and I will have to get that to bring that back and they have been asking to go you know so which is nice yeah. that's nice that they haven't forgotten um, that's great yeah. yeah it's a yeah good point though because I'm sure that's happening yeah. in a lot of households I would guess so yeah um, look let's uh, have a look at the Dublin Derby then Bowes uh, St. Pat's Pat's finished the match with nine players um, Georgie Kelly scored again so he's on 12 for the season now Tyreek Wilson's free kick was just top of the it was like David Beckham or something it was brilliant uh, and actually Liam Burt's goal was fantastic as well and Jason McClellan's goal in, in, in stoppage time actually there was loads of great goals in that. I mean there, there was everything two red cards goals aplenty real Dublin yeah, dollars there was great goals all over the um, I mean, we're going to go to get to the other games but there was great goals in every division con this weekend it was great to see and um, Tyreek Wilson, I suppose we, we'll have to start with that strike. He's like the James Ward-Prowse of the League of Ireland, isn't he? Yeah, um, actually, that's a great example. Because yeah. he just, every time he's in that position, 
I wouldn't say go close as if it's a penalty, but it's you know that he's going to have a great chance of putting the ball in the back of the net. And it's 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 the way he he lines it up. It has he has this little whip on it that's very very like that gets it up and down very very quickly. Similar, that's why I mentioned Ward Prowse because that's what he's very he's capable of as well. Um, it's an unbelievable strike to put them two one ahead as well. Um, just after Lee Desmond was sent off and, and agreeing with the referee this time, both yellows were um, definitely yellow cards in, in, in the game, Lee Desmond and Andy in Birmingham. Um, I thought Dawson Devoy was an absolute joy to watch again. Can't I just hope that he can stay stick around in this in this league? That's going to be the big thing. How long can they hold on to him for? Oh, it's going to be very difficult because he's he really is. He's a top-class talent. Um, he really is. But I actually do want to bring something up, Con. Um and it's I don't want to have a dig because um, the clubs are doing really really well with streaming their games and bringing in uh, commentators and co-commentators. But what I I'm, I suppose I'd like to ask you the question as a as a broadcaster, um, and I'm not talking just about Bohemians, but they they do have, they do very, they have impartial views um, on the games. Um, but what do you think of that? I just think that it lacks that little bit of professionalism possibly. Um, I don't know what you think on on that. I know they're hosting, they're hosting the game themselves and they're broadcasting to their supporters, but surely there has to be some impartiality here. Yeah, it's a it's a good question. I, I actually, I think Stephen Doyle, who is the main commentator for Bose, does a great job. I'm yeah, a fan of Stevenson, and he's, he's, uh, so I think really you're, what you're referring to is the co-commentator. A couple of the co-coms they've had um, have been, you know. Uh, great Bose fans and and uh there's no impartiality there at all um uh, it's, i'm i'm loath to criticize them because i actually find it quite entertaining but i know even though they are sort of like the host broadcaster if you like as in when Shamrock Rovers are at home it's SRFC TV on LOI TV so you are you feel like you're broadcasting to the home fans but actually you're broadcasting to the entire fan base in the league anybody who's subscribed to LOI TV can tune in and watch this and and it can be i think frustrating for the other team if the commentary is overly biased and i i try my best to to play it with a straight bat um, and actually in fairness i've had some very nice uh, comments from people um, saying that I've managed to be impartial, but I think it is something that the clubs need to maybe have a look at with the co-coms that they need to just rein it in a little bit. Um, because I, th- I thought, especially the now, you know, it's a Dublin derby. There's a lot at stake, and I can see why people are getting excited. Oh, yeah. But, but yeah, I no, I, I I take your point that that maybe the, the co-commentators need to to. I, no, I, I do get it as well. I really, really do because, like, obviously, Bose members and Bose fans are paying their hard-earned money to listen to the Bose commentary team and and that. But I'm just thinking from, yeah, from a neutral point of view, like like my, like mm. I'm not. I, it might come up now that obviously I'm only just after realizing here that it's against Pats and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! But no, it's actually not. I, okay, I'll give you another example. Like Derry's co-commentary, for instance, they they be. They'd be very uh, one side cheering the goals and celebrating the goals rather than analysing them. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I think. I mean, I know the uh, the instructions uh, which were sent out in advance were that the commentator was to be 
completely impartial and if the co-commentator wants to lean a little bit towards one team the home team obviously um i think that's allowed but i think there is a they need to put some kind of a check on it maybe just to to say look guys you know you are broadcasting to the entire any neutrals as well as um, your own home fans so uh just it's something to keep an eye on yeah there's interesting point i'd be actually i'd be I'd be interested to know what other people think. So if you want to um, have a word on this on, on Twitter or whatever, if you, if you hashtag it LOI Arena, um, we might pose the question on Twitter as well just to get uh, people's uh, opinions. But um, yeah, no, it's an, it's an interesting question and, and one I don't know that I'd have the answer to. Yeah, that's fair. Um, that's fair. But yeah. Uh, so I'm going to avoid Tala for a second and go to Drive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, three one winners against Finn Harps. Uh, Will Seymour gave Finn Harps a, a lead inside the first ten minutes. Bit of controversy, and again now as a former player, um, I'd be interested to get your opinion on this. The, the first uh, draw to goal. Ethan Boyle puts the ball out of play so a player can receive treatment. Um, draw to take the throw in goes to Gary Deegan. He has a pop at goal touched over the bar for a corner and they score from the corner and Finn Harps were very sore about that but uh, like there's no hard and fast rule that says that you have to give the ball back um it also prevents people teams putting the ball out of play deliberately to maybe kill the momentum of a game or something so I've never had too much of a problem with this but but I can see why some people will consider it unsporting behavior or whatever I don't know what your view is yes look I don't know. I'm kind of bet- stuck between a, a rock and a hard place here because if I'm a Finn Harps player, I'd probably be going mental. Mental. Yeah, I probably would. Um, as a Drogheda player, I yeah, I, look, I was the type of player that was just like, yeah, I, if the ball is put out of play for the opposition or for my own player, the ball is given back. I've actually never been in a situation where um, it has been done against me. Um, now, funny thing is, though, the person who threw the ball in to Gary Deegan was very, very clever because they probably knew that Gary Deegan wasn't going to give the ball back and that he was going to take a pot <laughs> shot at goal. Um, now, that's that's money messing. But, like, it, see, it could be a... It's a grey area, it, isn't it? It is a very grey area. And at the same time, Finn Harp's got to, have got to be um, ready for that. Do you know what I mean? That, that they have to be set up in such a way that yet they might not give it back. They don't have the divine right to give this ball back to us, even though we put it out of play. So, yeah, I wouldn't be, I, I'd be like you, Con. I wouldn't be overcritical of the situation, but at the same time, it would frustrate the living life out of me if I was on that thin harps too. So, there was a, an incident in the Premiership years ago, and I think Arsenal uh, got a throw in, having, uh, the opposition had kicked the ball out for treatment in that situation. And one of the Arsenal players went through and scored a goal. I forget who it was. But there was so much uproar that Arsenal allowed the other team score immediately from the... Can you remember that? Or yeah, you're, yeah you're I can too young. Vague, yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, But I, I think it was going to be a stain on Arsenal's character and they, they realised it pretty quickly. And, and so st- literally straight from the kickoff, the other team were allowed to dribble down the other end and score a goal, if, if memory serves me correctly. Um, but anyway, Drada went on to win uh, 3-1. Dara Markey and Danny O'Reilly... Uh, free kick from uh, Danny O'Reilly, which was deflected in for a 3-1 win for them. So they're still uh, going well on 29 points. And Derry, 
Uh, Evan McLaughlin, 18 years of age, scoring on his debut, dream debut for him, Joe Thompson, making it 2-0. And then there was another controversial refereeing decision in this one um, where Keen Kavanagh was going through for Waterford five minutes from time. Owen Toll pulled him back. It was as clear a red card, I think, as you're ever going to see. But the uh, referee, Paul McLaughlin, gave Owen Toll a yellow card. You're being very nice there, Con. You're being very nice. Well, the thing about it is, I, I think, you know, Derry had a two-goal advantage, so they were probably going to win the um, the game anyway. But um, they would have been without Owen Toll for their next match, which is against St. Pat's, who ironically are going to be without Lee Desmond and Ian Birmingham for that match, um, having been sent off. So, you know... It's, Sometimes that's the way it goes, I suppose. I can't go. It can't be like that, though, no, Con. You can't be looking at it in that sense. King Cabin is true on goal. He got pulled back. It's a red card. Um, yeah. And I think that's... I think even as a, a Stephen, Stephen O'Donnell will be looking at that going, it has to, like, it has to be a red card. Do you know what I mean? Like Then their, yeah. their captain, their centre-half is out of that game. It's, it's, it'll be a huge plus considering they've lost yeah. Lee, Lee Desmond and, and, and Ian Birmingham as well. So, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. And actually, just going back to the point you were making about the commentators, it was interesting that both the Derry commentator and the co-commentator both said that was a clear red card. So the, even, you know, whatever bias was thrown out the window there, they said it was a red card and, and, and you know, that was very fair of them. Um, Nothing away from the from the performance, though, of Derry City. It's their, as I said, first home win all season. And young Everett yeah. McLaughlin on his first professional contract, his first senior game, his first goal. What a, a one, another local boy, another coming through the yeah. ranks as well. It's fantastic. And look, it could have been a hell of a lot more as well, considering the, the amount of play that they had. But it's great, to, like, look at the... Like Rory Higgins now, first of July is only a couple of days ago, and look what he's done already. He's brought in junior on loan, um, Jamie McGonagall, wonderful player. For yeah. Do you play against him? Yeah, I was going to yeah, ask yeah, you about yeah, him. Yeah, good, is he? yeah, he'll score goals, yeah. Con, um, absolutely. And he's a he's a local boy as well. His brothers are actually playing in the I think it was the minor minor Ulster Championship for for Derry on the on the day that he was playing. Oh, um, boy, yeah, yeah, so yeah. and then obviously the new deals for Cameron McJanet and, and James and James Akintunde as well. So huge, brilliant um, jobs being done. Considering maybe the, the departure of Will Patching might have left them might yeah. have been very sour for them, but um, great to see them doing so well. Superb form, one defeat in ten now. Obviously they had the few draws at home, but look that they're um, hopefully that this will kick them on a little bit. This little bit of confidence getting the two 0 win, monkey off the back, and um, yeah, great win for them. It's lifted them above Dundalk on the table as well. Derry on to 25 points. Dundalk remain on uh, 24. And speaking of Dundalk, uh, great start for them. Pat Hooban putting them 1-0 up after 12 minutes. Uh, then there was the issue of uh, the foul by Scales on Duffy. I think when you look at it, it should have been a penalty think, kick, Dundalk. You think? Ah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. It was a stonewall penalty. It was stonewall, yeah. And 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 there's the possibility there that Scales might have got a red card, although maybe there was a covering defender. Oh, I don't no, know. No, it would have been a yellow, I think. But it was a, a yellow, oh, yeah. unbelievable decision, Con. Um, and very frustrating as well, because as I, like, as I said, with, with the way Dundalk have been under Vinnie Pert now, it would have been a, a wonderful opportunity to... to to, to kick mm. off, you know, and then if they, yeah. and then obviously that wasn't given, and then Alan Manis, who hasn't probably in his own terms probably hasn't had his best season, pulls off probably one of the saves of a lifetime, uh, yeah, stop Pat and uh, scoring to make it two 0 like incredible save, and um, yeah, and then Sean Grover's got back down the other end of the pitch and and scales, scores a wonder goal, and Sean Gannon not too far behind him with another screamer to put them two one. Yeah. It's it's. 
unbelievable. I didn't. I don't know about what you thought of it yourself, but there, like, it seemed when Dun when Shamrock Rovers scored that goal, it took the absolute life out of Dundalk. I don't know what. It took the wind out of Dundalk sails. They they didn't have a response really. Um, I expected them to come out all guns blazing in the second half, but but I, I don't know. They just didn't um, seem to have it. Um, I don't know how much they're going to miss Chris Shields, but I think the answer to that is a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, just in terms of the character that he brings and the you know the the leadership, um, just it was lacking. I felt. And then Aaron Green scored a very good third goal, which kind of secured it for Shamrock Rovers. But I think it's going to be like Dundalk, obviously, of European football coming up against Newtown of Wales. And and I hope they get through that round. Um, They should with the players that they have. Um, But, you know, it's not... It's not it's not the happiest place at the moment, Oriel Park, that's for sure. Um, having said that, Sligo Rovers and uh, the showgrounds is a very happy place after their 1-0 win away to Longford. Jordan Gibson from the penalty spot. Ed McGinty went off injured in that game. Luke McNicholas came in. And actually, I thought I wouldn't see much of this because it clashed with the England game. But actually, the England game was so terrible that I turned over and, and saw a good bit of the Longford uh, versus Sligo Rovers match. And... Longford put up a decent fight. I mean, they struggled to create too many clear-cut chances. Actually, it's the third time this season that they failed to score against Sligo Rovers. But um, Luke McNicholas, who came in, you know, did what he had to do and, and did it very confidently. So it's nice for Liam to to know that he does have a, a good substitute goalkeeper there if McGinty's in trouble. Especially for somebody that hasn't played, Con. Um, like, he hasn't he hasn't played. Obviously, Ed McGinty has been an absolute super form over the last couple of seasons. McNicholas hasn't hasn't been in in between the sticks but like when you look i'm just going to flip it for a second and just go to longford 18 games without a win now and um, it's it really is shocking for him and yes they drew with dundalk twice and um, both being ahead both times came close to drawing with shamrock rovers Um it's like they're the nearly men they're i just think that their squad isn't good enough quality wise to to compete um and it might Longford Town fans mightn't be too happy with me saying that, but perhaps deep down they might know it themselves. Um, I just think they're they lack that firepower. Like you said, they they were they huffed and puffed, but um, they just didn't really have the necessary tools to to break Sligo's rear guard down. So, um, but yeah, Sligo Jordan Gibson from the penalty spot again, seven league goals this season. The top Romeo Parks was brilliant for the penalty, um, great yeah, turn yeah. and uh, brought down. Um, but yeah, two great wins now before Europe for Sligo themselves. Five goals, none conceded. Obviously, after four 0 win over Bowes last week. So, um, yeah, not they're not mm. again they're not doing too badly. Uh, doing very well. Joint uh, top of the table, thirty eight points with Shamrock Rovers. St Pat's on thirty five, Bowes on thirty after that win. Um, this week then, Shamrock Rovers in action against Slovan Bratislava in the Champions League qualifier on Wednesday. Sligo Rovers and Bowes both in action up in Iceland, and Dundalk, as I was saying, uh, take on Newtown of Wales. So best of luck to all the um, SSE Electricity League uh, clubs in European action uh, this week. Will we? Um, Move on then, because as, as we were saying at the beginning, we have two uh, very interesting guests, uh, Kira and Kylie, uh, coming up. And we're going to go to Wexford first, to Kylie Murphy, who's been, uh, as I was saying at the start of the uh, show, she's been a, a great stalwart with Wexford Youths since the league started in 2011. And we had a great chat with her. Well, we're joined now by Kylie Murphy of uh, Wexford Youths, who's no relation, I must uh, say, at the outset. 
Uh, I don't think so anyway, Kylie. Um, I suppose the, the big question is um, um, your parents, they, they were fans of Neighbours, were they? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? <laughs> oh, God. It was more um, It was more my older sister. Uh, yeah. Was a she's big, not called Charlene big, by big any chance. Of Kylie. She? No, she's actually not. <laughs> Um, her name is Dawn, but um, no, she she definitely probably could have been called Danny, but um, no, she uh, I believe it or not, it actually was after Kylie Minogue, so I can't even I actually won't even lie in tonight. <laughs> um, listen, uh, just looking at um, your career, um, Kylie, um, you have been involved in the Women's National League since it was inaugurated uh, almost what is it ten years ago now. Um, what changes have you seen in that decade? Um, yeah, I suppose maybe in, in the latter few years, probably this year, last year and the one before, there's been huge changes. I think it was a little bit slow at the start, but obviously it was it was, it was was starting from scratch, you know, and when, when it did kick off, um, I think it was back in 2011, there was, there was huge hopes and dreams for the National League. And I suppose it was kind of, I don't, I don't know really what exactly it was, but it didn't it didn't take off to the expectations that everybody thought it was going to but um look that's that's a long time ago now but it is it's definitely starting to make strides in the last few years so hopefully we can just keep on moving up and maybe a little bit quicker i would i would prefer if it, it things mm. moved quicker but again what I kind of things say, would you like to see move quicker well i just i I'd, li- I'd like to i suppose for every club maybe take away the pay for play obviously with Wexford Juice this year, um, Energy have come in and have been massive sponsors for us over the last few years. But this year in particular, they, they come in and they're they're covering us for the next three years. Do you know? So ideally, you're not at the start of the year having to go and fundraise your couple of hundred bob. So um, I definitely like to see that taken away from every every team in the league. Um, do you know if we could get some some big sponsors in and stuff like that? And and then I suppose the next thing down the ladder would be for every player to be getting looked after expenses wise because it is a lot. Do you know? And there's a lot. There's a lot of girls are a lot of kids are still in college and school and it's their parents driving them. Do you know it's it's a huge effort and it's a massive effort to play in the National League. So I suppose they'd be the first two. And then I suppose the just the, the promotion of the game, just getting it out there. I'd like to see, you know, I'd like to see more supporters back in the in the stands. And you know, yeah. we were laughing last week saying I think it's about is it a hundred that are allowed into sporting events and you know, we were laughing saying that the place will be packed out. But <laughs> unfortunately that's not the case. You know, we, we have our maybe 15 or 20 supporters do you know that come along every week but I mean you'd be hoping you'd be hoping to probably get more fans to the games and, and get people to see it because when they see the games they're they're genuinely surprised at how good how high a level the soccer is yeah. so yeah speaking to, to some people though you, you, you're, you're a lot of people are thinking that the, the women's game is improving um but judging by yourself there you seem as if you just you just want more and you just want like which is great to see because it, it it's definitely needed um, and I think that probably shows in your professional professionalism because I I don't know if you remember this, Kylie, and back in in the Aviva Stadium in 2018, you you won the FA uh, the Women's FAI Cup, and I interviewed you on the pitch after the game, and I started off by saying, oh, congratulations, congratulations, Kylie, you've just won the double," and straight away said, "No, no, no, we won the travel." <laughs> and it, it was just as if <laughs> you you made me realise then I was only starting off then like. Do your homework, Conan, and know exactly what you're doing. But in terms of that professionalism, you've been a leader on and off the pitch for, for the good of 10 years, captain Wexford Utes in their first ever game and, and been there ever since. Where does that professionalism come from? Oh, God. Um, I don't really know, I suppose. I suppose maybe for me, 
being captain like it's, it's a huge honor um I don't know maybe that leadership is just in me maybe it's just something that I, I find it comes very natural um I don't you know it is a lot of work um you know I I find like that is is my job to be looking after the girls and you know making sure that for me we're we're constantly we're constantly pushing the boundaries and wanting things and wanting people to do better for us but on the other side we have to act as professional as we can we're trying to make it this professional outset and you know be the best that it can be but we have to carry ourselves in that manner as well you know and we in a way have to make people see that you know we are here and we are good and I hope I wasn't too rude. No, 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 no. <laughs> you know I don't think you realize how hard this has been a treble <laughs> I just want everybody to know <laughs> have you but um <laughs> no it's you know it's we have to act in the utmost professional manner because you know we we can't want to break through barriers and then be carrying on like an amateur player it's just it's not okay do you know have you, have you seen the standard though improve from from 2011 to now oh absolutely yes absolutely in what way like massively technically wise the players are you know when we personally with wexford when we first started out i'm telling you now we really could not play soccer we just it was just a load of girls brought together and i know it was only it was only we were only starting off you had like the likes to say it's not it would have been rahini back then and and p-mount would have had like underage structures and things like that so they, they had been playing like p-mount in our first year p-mount had played in the Champions League previous, you know, so it was it was massive to us. But I mean, for us, it was it was just a case of just, you know, it was just it was learning and and, and getting to grips with it. But from that Wexford team back in two thousand eleven to the Wexford team now, it's just, you know, it's great. Like you're keeping possession of the ball, things like that. It's just technically, tactically, things have changed. You're not just going up playing against teams and setting up to try stop them scoring. Like you're, you know, the the tactical side of it is very interesting. And I mean, kids growing up now, they're 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 getting the best of everything they're getting the best coaching they're getting you know like the girls do laugh about some dressing rooms might be small like when I was their age I was pulling up and my dressing room was the boot of the car <laughs> <laughs> so you know they're, they're they're starting to I suppose they don't know any difference you know so I probably and, and the, the older girls like me would probably appreciate the things that we get and the pitches that we play on an awful lot more because the stuff that you know what you have years ago and you'd be playing with sheep shite and everything so <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's just the way it is but it is changing and 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 the younger kids nowadays are they're some of them are special you know they're they're exciting to watch the game is getting exciting and you know mm. From your own point of view, I mean, you won. Obviously, you were talking about winning the treble there in 2018. I think you've won pretty much every domestic uh, honor. You've also played in Europe as well. How have you found the uh, experience of playing European football? Oh, it's just it's it's out of this world. It is. Um, it would genuinely take your breath away to to play against teams of that caliber. And you know, we've been we've been away now three times, playing three different campaigns. You know, unfortunately, not to qualify for any of them. Some years we got a little bit close and, you know, but the, 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 I, I take it, say one year we were playing and we played against the Ajax, like, and I'll never forget that feeling of walking out beside the Ajax captain, just walking onto the pitch. They were just the utmost professionals, like, you know, and to be able to stand on the same pitch as them was just, it was incredible now to be fair. We didn't really touch much of the ball, but we did, we did try. But, um, and then later on, like their manager is speaking to ours and like, their women's side, their budget is five million a year. Do you know? And here's us trying to raise five hundred euro each to play. Yeah. It, so it like, puts it into perspective, doesn't it? Well, it does. Like you know, and 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 they were so lovely, and they just they couldn't believe what like do you know that we had done so well. Do you know against a team like that? It's just 
it really does put it into perspective. Do you know, it's, it's such a pity that it's taken so long because I suppose if we had the financial backing, the players in this country are incredible. They're actually incredible. Some of them are just phenomenal. And if, if they, from a young age, got what all the Ajax players or all the other professional players were getting, it's just, it's unfortunate because you're not getting the same structure. Do you know, it's the same with, same with the men. It's the same with everything. Do you know, it's just not the same structure. structure. The grassroots coming up is not, not the same, unfortunately, but hopefully we're heading in the right direction. And um, rumour has it that you skipped your honeymoon to play in the Champions League at one stage. <laughs> well, I didn't skip it. I postponed it. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I still, I still get people saying, like, Jesus, what were you doing? But, um, you know, my, my wife now, is, and I was just, you know, I'm very lucky. And she was completely understanding. I, I'm telling you now, lads, I'll never forget the day the Champions League draw, the date, I actually, I nearly got sick now. I'm not joking yeah. I couldn't, I actually couldn't believe it because had I had you, kind had of worked you, it out. the thing booked? The wedding? Oh God, yeah. Well over a year booked. Do you know, you have, to, you have to book these things two and three year in advance and like, even I had worked out the dates and, and normally when you play the, the first round, the group stages in August, they were always the later, they were always, I think it was the third weekend in August, but for some reason they brought it forward. I'm telling you now, I just, I couldn't. I was Tell like, us how that conversation went with Esme. I just, I was like, how is this possible? Do you know what I mean? I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Because on one hand, I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm going to be married two days. And then on the other hand, I was like, I can't not play in the Champions League. <laughs> yeah. You work so hard and you put your whole life goes into it. And then, do you know, I just, and all the girls were brilliant, all to, totally understandable, even though at the back of the mind, I know they were like, oh my God, I hope she comes. Do you know, but it still, they would have understood. And, but Ez is just like amazing. Like, I mean, who, who would understand that? Do you know, it's just, so we got married on the Saturday and like, sure, the girls were at the wedding and they, they flew out then on the Sunday and then Tom allowed me to fly out on the Monday. So look, it wasn't so bad. And we had a little mini moon after. So I went from the wedding to Lithuania to Croatia. It was just crazy. And then we went on a proper honeymoon after Christmas. So look, it was grand. And we were actually so lucky because we went away for a couple of weeks and we flew back in on, it was either the Monday or the Tuesday and the whole country locked down then on the Thursday. Oh, wow. So it was yeah. just, it was a whirlwind, you know, but thankfully Ez is just totally understandable. And I definitely, like, I don't regret it. I was tired and, you know, the run to a wedding is a lot, but it was, um, I mean, imagine, imagine sitting here saying that I actually chose not to go. Like, I just don't think yeah. it was in me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'd look back on it in years and you'd say, well, you know, I, sh I should have gone. I should have played. It's a great opportunity to play in Europe. And, yeah. and as you said, you were able to, you know, just postpone it for a few months anyway. So Yeah. Look, like we managed it. And Ez was, Ez was brilliant. She's yeah. really understandable. And she knows how much I put into it. And, you know, and she came as well to support with the family. So, you know, <laughs> it was brilliant. We, sp we spoke on this podcast and, and numerous times, actually, about the support of... <clears throat> Um, wives, husbands, partners, uh, girlfriends, boyfriends. Um, how how important is that support for you as a footballer? Well, I mean, it's 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 absolutely everything because you're putting it's your whole life. Like when you play in the national league and you, and you wanna you wanna be succeeding in the national league and you wanna be lifting trophies, it is genuinely everything. It is every day. There's there's your off day is a recovery day. You're still doing something. It's zoom calls it's you know analysis it's a huddle it's just it's everything and to have somebody that understands all that is is incredible you know i don't i don't think i'd be able to do it at this at this level if i didn't have her and um, 
she just she gets it she knows how she knows how much I love it do you know um I'm not going to sit here and say it's easy and that every time she stand at the door waving me off do you know what I mean because it gets hard and even take into account you know there's weddings that she's going to on her own which is obviously not nice do you know but she gets it and I join in later and things like that but she's she's without a doubt been my biggest supporter and is at every game she can be at she's been at all the Champions Leagues she's just She's phenomenal and I, I genuinely I don't think I'd be able to do it without her. So to have for, for people to have somebody like that and that's so supportive, it's just it's they're really, really lucky because like for me, there's only so so much longer I'm gonna be able to do this for and play at this level. It eventually stops at some stage. So do you know she's she's there to help until the legs give up or whatever happens. You know all about that, Conan. I mean, having just hung up your boots this this season, you know, that time eventually does catch up. Yeah, it does, obviously, yeah. But as Kylie said there, the, the support from from your family and the ones closest to you mean, means the most. And it actually probably drives you on to succeed. Um, because then when you come home, you, you've, you've reason then to be like, well, I'm doing it for a reason. And um, you have your medals hanging up on the wall or around your bed or wherever you put them. And um, it's just so important to have that support. Because if you didn't, you, you wouldn't feel those medals wouldn't mean as much, I don't think. Um so yeah, definitely uh, the support of um, the family at home was is is vital, as Kylie says. And I- injury wise, I know at, at one point, Kylie, you suffered a, a back injury that was basically career threatening. Um, can you tell us about that? Yeah, so I think it was about my such a first or second season into the women's national league. I I just I slipped a disc in my back. Um, we were playing P-mount up in up in Green Oak and um, I just, I bent an awkward, I went up to catch a ball or something, the ball went up too high over my head and anyway the disc came out and it's it sat on a nerve and it shot the pain down my legs so I was out for, for probably over a year Um, you know one of the one of the lead surgeons had said that he didn't think that I'd, I'd be playing again like so I don't know I had done a serious dose of, of um, Pilates before I had went to get the operation because I was I was only 23 so I didn't want to be having an operation on my back at that age you know you don't want to be you know but um unfortunately the Pilates didn't work but in turn I had done I had done so much of it and it was it was after helping so much that my my I suppose my post post surgery um the muscles in my back were so strong after doing all the Pilates it had helped me get back a little bit quicker so but thankfully you know I I I got back and I do get some trouble with it it's it, it can be quite sore and it'll flare up every now and then but I just have to mind it as best I can and do you know, but thankfully I'm I'm playing away and I'm, I'm I'm grand. I'm just thinking though, when you're 23 years of age and a man in a white coat comes in and says to you, you know, there's a chance here that you won't play again. That must be really shocking to hear. Well, to be honest, I actually probably didn't really take it in too much because I was like, no, not having it. <laughs> no way is this stopping now, do you know? So it was very much, there has to be something. There has to be, do you know, there has to be something we can do, do you know? And even it was only, it was probably maybe a, maybe three years after after I got back on the pitch and everything and our team doctor Ravi um we were doing our medicals that we do at the start of the year and he just he sat and he was like you know you're doing so well and I really really I just I didn't think you'd you'd ever get back on a pitch like you know and he's just like just you know he he's kind of he's a bit older and he'd be kind of like a father figure you know and he was just so happy and but like I mean I'm probably I'm very lucky like definitely to to get back and done everything everything by the book everything I had to do I did do do you know so it's it's good and I'm, I feel very lucky to be able to play at this level and 
you know, not saying that now on a Sunday morning when I'm trying to get out of bed, it's not a good thing. <laughs> I, I actually rem- I have to give it a few minutes. Oh yeah, I remember reading a, an article in the Irish Examiner actually, where you you said that you use negative comments as motivation. Um, could that have be possibly been a, a negative comment towards you with the, with the when the surgeon said that that they said, well, here I'm going to push forward, drive on, and I'll never forget what you say, and when I get out onto this pitch, I'll show you. Yeah, well, possibly. Like he wasn't. He was very nice about it, and do you know he just didn't didn't know like what what the outcome was going to be or whatever. But um, yeah, the negative commenting is is definitely something. Do you know it's 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 genuinely probably the worst thing you can do to me or my team. Um, do you know it, by putting us down, it's only it's just putting fire in the belly. <laughs> do you get much of that? Yeah, we get that. <laughs> <laughs> we still get um, you know, like. You know, we, we definitely wouldn't be ones to gloat, like, but we don't, I don't need to go around screaming and shouting about how many medals and trophies we've lifted. Do you know, it's 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 there in the proof and the pudding. That's why, do you know, when we get a bit of slack and, you know, there's comments made that we can't play soccer and all we do is hoof the ball and things like that. And like, I mean, we, we've we've won so much and, and we get so little respect from a lot of people, a lot of teams, a lot of, a lot of probably journalists and newspapers you know every game we go into we're underdogs i just i think it's actually incredible like i don't i can't understand it do you know we come out winning the treble and the following year we were an underdog <laughs> so i just i actually don't know what we need to do to actually be put up on that pedestal every year at the start of the year it's oh it's gonna be between team and shelburne i'd be like hello <laughs> We're, we're here <laughs> do you know i mean have they forgot like how, how well we've done and do you know Listen, it's it's it is what it is. It's all part and parcel. Do you know the the main thing is is that we don't believe it. We very much so believe that we're contenders for for a lot of things. You know, and it's unfortunate we 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 had a few bad results at the start of the season. That I was saying to Corn earlier that unfortunately it's out of our hands now. We need a few results to go our way. But I mean that's not to say that we're not going to fight tooth and nail and we're going to try to disrupt everything that we can disrupt. And you know, there's still a cup to fight for there. And like I had a, I had a chat with a, a guy probably about a year ago and. He basically was asking, um, do we just feel like that maybe we're just um, we're just a cup team, we're just a cup winning team? And, you know, I was like, well, no, we actually have won four National Leagues, so I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> do you know, it's that kind of stuff, like, do you know, but we, we don't take it too seriously. But sometimes it'd be, it'd be nice to get the respect that I do feel like we deserve, do you know, but we know it ourselves and we know we've done well. But again, you know yourself, you're only as good as your last game and... You know, he's good as your last trophy, so it moves on pretty quick. So it's 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 quite hard to stay at the at the top and up there and keep fighting. But you know, we, we we're going to try our best, and we do every year. You know, so fingers crossed. Well, you were seen as um one of the greatest players to ever play women's national league. I think a lot of people. Oh, oh no, I think a lot of people would say that. Um, in terms of your box to box play, you score a lot of goals. Has there been disappointment though that that hasn't? Being seen, you haven't got a call up to the uh, women's international team. Has that been a, a a source of disappointment, possibly? Yeah, definitely. There's no fighting lying. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know would I ever be good enough to be up there. Um, but I think it'll always be in the back of my mind that nobody ever gave me a chance. That's probably. I think. I think I've. Out the last ten years, I've some have been good seasons for me. Some have been only okay. Um, I think that yeah, somebody could have given me a chance. You know, bring me up, bring me up to Abbottstown, bring me anywhere. And you know what? If to have a look at me for a few days, and be like, no, she's actually shy. <laughs> send her back down. 
that's grand because at least I could turn around and say, well, at least I got a chance, you know. But it's, yeah, definitely, it hurts that I didn't at least get one, one call up just to be like, we'll have a look at RNC, you know. But I mean, maybe maybe doing well for Wexford is is not enough. Maybe you just need more, and maybe I was never good enough. Maybe I just was a national league player. I don't really know. I played underage a good bit, um, with the 17s and 19s, um, and enjoyed it. But um, yeah, it'll. As as successful as my career probably has been and all the medals and trophies, it's definitely something that I feel like I probably would have left behind me. But I can look in the mirror and say, well, I did everything I could. Do you know, I didn't like I what I put into to Wexford and the National League every year is it's incredible. Like it's 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 all or nothing for me, and I I really do give it everything. So I can't I can turn around and look at myself in the mirror and say, well, do you know what? You didn't get a call up, but you did try your best. So I just have to leave it at that and be okay with it now. Was there a time though in the last ten years where you were like, right, I have to get a call up now after that? Yeah, I had a season. I had a really good season. Um, I think it could have been our first treble that we won. I was playing centre midfield, the box to box, and I scored sixteen goals. I was the highest scoring midfielder in the league, and I I thought that year, um, that was probably should use that was probably four or five years ago. I was probably like, what was I, twenty seven, twenty eight, and I was kind of like. I, I thought at the end of that season, I, I some something might come, and and when it didn't, I just I kind of I had to be okay with it and just park it because I said to myself, if it didn't come, then it's never gonna come because I had had a good season, I felt I was fit, I was fresh, I was scoring goals, you know, I was you know, but at the end of that season, when it didn't come, I knew I I knew then it's not gonna come because, you know, and look, different managers for different players, and maybe the managers that are up there just don't. You know, maybe they're not the type. I'm not the type of player that they were looking for at the time, and it just is what it is. You know, but it's something that I'll always, I'll always think about. You know, and it's definitely a question that always kind of pops up whenever I'm doing an interview and things like that. But and look. there was no possibility at that time of kind of issuing a a come and get me plea in the press or anything like that. Did you ever think of kind of even making a few phone calls or something to say, look, is there any? You know, what am I doing? Do I need to do more? What? there's nothing you can do proactively in a situation like that is there uh, was it difficult for a player I'm not, I'm not really sure um I personally wouldn't go begging do you know if I if I'm if I'm good enough they'll think I'm good enough and and I'll be in Um, I suppose it was just a case of waiting for the call but it just it never came no so I don't I'm not really sure as in regards maybe with players some managers might have a word or might have some sort of a link do you know but um no, I'm not really sure on that terms, but I personally, as a player, wouldn't, I would never, you know, they, they, they're at the games, they see the games, you know, they see enough to know what they want, like, you know, so. Um, I just want to ask you one final question before we let you go, um, Kylie. Obviously, the, there's been the introduction of the under-19 league and John Carroll has taken over the, the Wexford Dukes uh, role there. Um, I don't know, the, Ella Malloy, the, the likes of Ella Malloy come around every... 15, 20 years, as you know yourself. So that gap between under-17 and senior football is is pretty big. And so with this introduction of this under-19 under nineteen league, do you see this as a, as a, a big positive? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, the likes of Ellen now and, say, the likes of Avian, you know, when you get kids that are like, when they're that good, they're just, your senior team is going to take them straight away. Do you know, they're going to jump straight from 17s up. Um, but for the likes of other players that are that are just just take that little bit longer to progress, you know, they just need a little bit more structure and they need the levels to come up. I think it's phenomenal. I mean, we have a couple of players signed in with us now and maybe might get maybe 
10 or 15 minutes at the end of a game and maybe might not get any game time. So for that reason, I think it's fantastic because I do believe that the only way that you can progress is if you're playing week in, week out. I mean, you can see the difference in the Avian Clancy last year. She's just, she's just soaring, leaps and bounds. She's come on since, you know, because, because she's getting game time and they just, players need that time to learn and whether they're doing right or they're doing wrong, they need to be in that 90 minutes with that team, knowing what's expected of them and knowing what to do, do you know, and growing as a player. So I think it's great because it's just so much more game time for girls. And I do believe that a lot of the girls that are probably subs with us now at the moment, once they start getting into the run of their games, like they're going to start, they're going to start stepping on people's toes with us, which is great because you want that competition within a team because you have 11 players walking out there knowing they're starting. Like, what's that about? You know, you have to have competition. You have to have people fighting for places because it is an elite team and it is an elite sport so we have to you have to keep pushing the boundaries and pushing players you know well listen we're talking to you on Sunday morning ahead of your game against Treaty United uh, later on so we should probably let you get on with your preparations for that game thanks a million for uh, talking to us this morning Kylie and uh, continued success to you that's alright thanks a million lads thanks Kylie here thanks a million I know you've a, a really busy schedule between work and sport and everything that's going on at the moment so thanks uh, for giving us the the time to have this chat and of course we're talking to you ahead of massive game uh, at Tolka Park um, against P-Mount top of the table clash 25 points each Um, obviously you've played a game more than them so there's just like it's so much at stake in this game absolutely and just first of all thanks for having me on Um, yeah tomorrow's going to be a big one we've had some bad memories from playing them at home last season so we want to erase that um but again with this uh league or this season it's a little bit longer so you know we need to get something out of the game tomorrow but it also you know we will, we will play them a third time so um, and the other teams there too wexford are on the ring always made sense now so i expect them to be a lot better so you know this game or this season is going to be one i think over a series of games and you mentioned Wexford there. Of course, they took the first points of the season off Piment last time out. So, you know, it shows that that there are points to be taken off them, having, you know, had an unbeaten start and a, and a winning start to the season for Piment uh, until then. Absolutely. And I think from our last game that we played them in, we were disappointed to walk away with no points as well. Um, you know, uh, we lost 2-1, but in the second half, I think we, we just, we didn't take our chances. So that that'll give us, you know, good, good kind of um, motivation going in now that we know we can we can get points off them. How has uh, No King influenced the season for Shelburne this year? Um, so Kinger, as he's known by, um, <laughs> he's been great. <laughs> he's been great. Um, you know, he's come in obviously on the back of lots of uh, international management um, experience. So it's very different to managing a club week in week out. And coming back to the women's game, I think he, he really tried to get as much information he could out of all of us, who we are as players, what's what's how's the club how how the club has been running, and then brought in his own kind of ethos and positivity. And posit- positivity is one of the biggest words I think we can use for Kinger at the moment. Um, we know we kind of were frustrated at the end of last season, and he came in just you know a breath of fresh air really. And you know he's trying to instill creativity and decision making in all the players so there's a lot of onus on us but um the atmosphere at the club is just excellent and the, like you know everybody loves come to training and even some of the younger girls have really made that bridge now of kind of being shy teenagers last year maybe a little bit scared of senior football 
but this year you know on it training they're really 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 pushing us like you know so the players are kind of concrete at a starting place um pushing us each week and you know there's lots of competition there but no seems to be managing it very well and Look, he's a wealth of experience and he's he's great for even those one-on-one chats about different things that can be improved on. But no, I think it's going really well. You uh, you finished second in the table with Sion Swifts last year to Linfield and obviously Shelburne finished second to P-Mount. So you kind of came in with the same motivation of trying to to go ahead and win that title. Do you, do you think that you're you're close? Do you think you, you could do it? Absolutely. Like we were devastated um, when I played for Cyan. Um, that was kind of chaos end of the season. I went to goal difference and not a head to head, which I don't think any league should ever do that because we started trying to beat teams like 10 nil. It was it was madness. Um, whereas last season when we lost to Piedmont, you know, that came to the last game just coincidentally that we had to beat them. They had to, I think, draw or, or beat us. Um, but it was, you know, it was, it was a great game. Again, leaving the pitch, very disappointed that we, you know, they were so clinical, took their chances we you know squandered several chances so I think we know it's there we know it's within us um, and we just have to take that next step um, P-Mind are a very well set up team they're so structured they've a core set of players have been playing for the last six seven years very solid um, all over the pitch but we're just as good and we're really looking forward to the, to the battle tomorrow. Kira, I mentioned at the start that you have a busy schedule uh, at the moment and um you're a doctor for people who, who aren't aware of that. Um, how do you balance that? Because presumably, especially in COVID times, it just makes things even more tricky. It does, um, Con. And, you know, kind of coming to the end of my undergraduate st- uh, studies, I had to take uh, almost two full years out from um, soccer. It was just too much. When you're working full time in the hospital, you know, the hours are, are very grueling. But um, I've been very lucky you now for the last two years. Um, I'm actually finishing up on Sunday week with RCSI as a, a lecturer and it's been great so I've done some clinical work but it's been mainly clinics so you know one you know nine to five um, I've had my weekends off but um, you know there's Mark English qualifying for the Olympics and he's also a qualified doctor so yeah. it can be done um, I think it takes a lot of planning organization and listening to your body but I just find it quite tough to balance the clinical, you know, being on your feet for 12 hours a day and then trying to go training, it just, it, I, I couldn't do it. But there's a lot of girls in the league balancing very hectic schedules. And, and it's just, you know, if, if, if the motivation's there and you have good uh, relationships with your managers and coaches, then it can be achieved. But I think if we want to take this league to the next step, I think girls in the league are going to have to go towards a more professional setup because we see the likes over in Scotland, England, even the second division. You know, the leagues are getting better and better. The standards are getting better and better. And as that happens, it's it's very hard to balance a full working life with that. I suppose it shows the type of person that you were that when you were working in Drogheda Hospital, that when COVID started, that you wanted to volunteer back at your your own hospital in Letterkenny. Um, was that an easy decision to make? I, just, I read that in the in, in an Irish Times article a couple of, couple of months back, and it always stuck with me that that must have been um, a really, I don't know, whether you a proud moment to be able to do that. Um, yeah, well, I'm, I'm a very proud Donegal uh, <laughs> lady. Um, no, as soon as that happened, you know, Donegal is already so underfunder, un, underfunded. Um, the infrastructure is not there. So when a pandemic like COVID hit, you know, where it's going to be hit hardest, the, the peripherals, the places furthest away. 
Um, so, you know, I have a good connection with Letterkenny Hospital. I've worked there before. Um, so straight away, I, I spoke to my boss and they said, absolutely, that's no issue at all. So, yeah, I think, you know, we were told everything was shutting down on a Wednesday, maybe or Tuesday. And then I was home by the, the following Monday. Um, and it, look, it was great to help out. And I don't know if you've ever been to Donegal, but they're a lovely bunch of people and the hospital atmosphere was great. And it was just nice to be home for that as well. Well, this, I can vouch for that. Donegal people have been great because Bally Buffet is by far and away my favourite uh, place to visit as an away uh, ground. They're just so friendly and uh, the whole town actually, it's, it's just it's beautiful and it's a gorgeous place as well. So I can I can understand why you'd be keen to get back there and of course to, to, to help out. In terms of the COVID um, situation, obviously the football was shut down for a while. How are you finding it now in terms of the protocols? Um, I think everybody, you know, just in society is quite used to it and sometimes it's just common second nature. Like there was definitely, even for myself as a doctor at times, being like, oh, I forgot my mask, I need to get that. Um, you know, just simple things. But now, you know, it's just, you know, it's just ingrained in us what we do. Um, you know, the bus situation for clubs and finan- financial financially wise isn't great. But I think everybody, you know, has everyone's safety um, at, at the front of their mind. And we've had a few girls, you know, having some mild symptoms of different things and they just don't come to training and get tested. So, you know, I think in the entire league, women's and men's, we've had no outbreaks at all. So it's been great. Um, and it just shows now that, you know, amateur, underage, everything's opening up and cases still haven't gone up in the sports um, environment. That, this, you know, everybody is following the protocols as best as they can. And, yeah, no, it's it's fine. And we're all just delighted to be back playing. Um, and I think it's it done well for sport, both Gaelic and soccer um you know people had that time off they worked on things they need to work on I think the like the league seems to be fitter faster this year too so standards have been raised so it's it's I think it's in in a weird way it's been good for the league too and so I'm gonna ask um you know, the League of Ireland TV as well. Everybody's showing the games live streamed. Like, I think it's great. I have relatives in Canada who are watching the games. Like, it's it's excellent. And, you know, with that um, public eye now on us, it's great just even for, for the women's game to, to grow bigger. Yeah, for, I was going to ask you that. From the outside, obviously, it seems that the Women's National League has come on leaps and bounds. But you have obviously taken a step back from it um, over the last number of years, come back in. Did you Have you seen that yourself, a big, big change in terms of, maybe professionalism and and quality? I would like to say, Conan, I have, but last season, you know, I, w- I was actually almost disappointed coming back. You know, it had been 10 years since I joined the league. Um, when you see the likes of Scotland, who even at an international level 10 years ago, were, we were better than them. Um, and you can see how they, their investment through, through their club level, everything has improved, their national team so much better. So when I came back... Um, you know, even the Northern Irish League, I thought was very professional. You know, um, there was live highlights every week. They kind of made a video of all the highlights, which was great. I think it had over 50,000 views by the end of the season. Um, we paid, um, you know, travel expenses, different things like that. So when I came back to, to the Irish League, I don't know if that momentum I thought was going to be better, but there were still a lot of gaps. Like I turned up, unfortunately, one day to training and was asked to pay for parking. Um, which I quickly flat out refused to do. Um, but it was just little things. And I think as female athletes across a lot of sports, we kind of subdue to things because we're so used to it. But then when you actually take a step back and 
like ask these questions and be like no like that's just not good enough and we shouldn't then be overly grateful when basic kind of treatment is is met um but in saying that the pfai and the fai um mark scanlon really during the, the break now before this season have put in a lot of effort and i think the league set up everything is so much better this season and you can see that even with clubs in the professionalism and in player safety like a lot of teams now have doctors physios on pitch ambulances and then it's an onus on the players to step up to the level as well and I think teams are doing that look at DLR like they're an incredible outfit now very hard to break down very well organized you know massive squad they are, they are like you know they they've come for the last three years of maybe being you know the bottom of the table and now they're fighting for the top three top four so it's just these things don't happen overnight they do take time but I think we've missed you know over the last ten years time to improve it more but I think mm-hmm. if we can keep pushing it each year now in the next say three five years we can we can get to the level of Scotland and if not better yeah I think it's interesting what you're saying there I mean even from the time when you made your uh, international debut which is around what 10 years ago or so in terms of the crowds and the marketing of the women's game I think it has improved there's more people coming to the the, the game before COVID struck obviously um, oh. even things like uh, having uh, players from the league on the panel in the Euro 2020 uh, on the commentaries and stuff like that, it raises the visibility and it just, I think it's important, you know? Absolutely. I think even the Euros now, like, you know, the games have been amazing, but even seeing like Anya, Karin, Stephanie up there and like, you know, they are incredible football players who have a wealth of experience behind them and you can see that it's portrayed on the pitch, like, I think they've been doing excellent work and you know and it's it's nice to see that blend as well of you know both perspectives um it's the same game at the end of the day um yes you know males versus females so it's going to be slightly different tactics everything but you can see that these girls have the knowledge and the analysis there and then as you said the marketing has been excellent like i've been a spectator in some of the games over the last few years out in tala and it's been incredible even seeing like murals of keeping the cave around tala different things like that it's just it has it has been great and even now people people are way more aware like even game on i see and um, or even six news on on the radio sometimes too of like you know game recaps being called out the results so even those subtle little differences then suddenly now you know everyone is just hearing about the women's game at the back of their minds so they're, they're more aware of it and you know as irish people we're sports mad we love sports um so there's there's so many people out there um both female and male that are are potential fans to the women's game and i think this you know, things like this, the podcast, everything, it's just great to get that out and it just needs to keep happening. But you can see it, it's definitely, and and to say that some of the younger girls now in the shells under 19, 17, technically they're so much better. They're, you know, they're more involved. You drive around Dublin, you see under 10s playing, under 12s. Like it, I wouldn't have seen that, you know, five, six years ago. So it's, it's deadly. Uh, you mentioned obviously Karen, Anya and Stephanie on, on media duty and the fantastic job that they're doing. What I've noticed though, and, and probably, I don't know if it's just me, I'd like to see prob- probably more women getting involved in coaching. Obviously, Lisa Fallon is with Galway and then there's obviously Eileen Gleeson, Vera Pell with the international setup. But at club level, um, there probably isn't, an, isn't enough women's national league uh, coaches or managers. Yeah, I would agree with that. And even even younger coaches Conan I think as well like you know if you look across the board like a lot of the managers in the league are 
are how, how can I polit- say this politically correct? Um, <laughs> over don't the be politically of, correct. Uh, <laughs> 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 but you know, like that's great, and having a wealth of experience is so great, and there's some excellent managers in the league. But also, like you want to see up and coming coaches, like there's Stephen Rice doing absolutely excellent. I only ever got to witness him take one coaching session and I was blown away by his enthusiasm, professionalism, just knowledge of the game preparation was second to none. Um, but for the, for the women, I know they've offered the UEFA B. A lot of, a lot of girls are, are doing it now. And I do see a lot of female coaches coaching maybe underage teams. And maybe that's the transition we're in that they still are building up that experience because no matter what, yes, we want gender equality, but people need to be appointed to their jobs on merit. And if that merit's not going to come for the next five, seven years, then that's just what's going to happen. But we don't want to be making early appointments to people that aren't qualified enough. Um, but no, I, I do. And I see the FAI pro Slattery is now over, I think, the whole of the country's um, underage grassroots and stuff. And she works clo- in close association with a few people in work. And they are creating kind of coaching um, pathways now for, or even marketing pathway or marketing campaigns to try and increase um, women to undertaking coaching badges are offering the players I think next season you know your um uh, the, the D license course and then potential to do FSC as well. And Kira, um when you were away from the game for a while you you played um Gaelic football with Donegal um as you said you're a proud Donegal woman and you won an Ulster, Ulster title in uh, 2018 just in terms of the comparison between playing uh, Gaelic football with the county and playing now in the Women's National League with um, Shelburne or say with Rohini before that, the, what is the comparison? It, it's, a hard, it's a hard one to answer. So the sport itself is so different. Like it's way more intense Gaelic training. Um, you have potentially 25 to 30 players on, you know, at a training squad. So if you ever talk to people like the play both, Gaelic training is, it's crazy. Like it's, you know, you're, you're absolutely, you're barely walking off the pitch afterwards. Um, and then where soccer is more technical, tactical, you know, it's, you know, it's more of a progression. You also play in a league in soccer. So it's week in, week out. Whereas as we all know in Gaelic, it's the leagues, whatever. And then it's all about maybe two or three games in the yeah. championship, which sometimes was hard to get my head around when I came back to the Gaelic. But from a setup point of view, unfortunately, they're, they're miles apart at the moment. Um, Johnny Gall had, I'd say, a backroom staff of maybe 10 people. Um, we got food after every training session. We got uh, uh, loads and loads of gear. We had weekend training camps away. We had food on the road. We had overnight stays. You then you had your GPS sports sports science backup. You had your nutritionist. You had a sports psychologist that you could attend one on one weekly sessions. Um, you know you, you had everything. It, mm. it was so for me coming back after I think it was six years I hadn't played Donegal. That was a big like wow. So when Maxi Curran called me and was trying to entice me to come back, you know, it's kind of hard to say no. And like we are losing players to the Gaelic. Like, you know, there's Siobhan Colleen who's excelling with Dublin at the moment, but it's hard for her. And like I, I can't even imagine what the Dublin lady setup is like. It's probably ten times better than Donegal. But you know, it is hard when that's what you're competing with. And that that setup is also feeding into the minors under sixteens, under fourteens. So when we're losing girls to Gaelic. You know, it's hard. It's hard to entice them to the soccer when there's not that support that support there. Um, but but you know, we, we are getting there. But the Gaelic has skyrocketed, I think, in terms of professionalism. But then again, a lot of people say 
the Gaelic is too much. It's too intense. You know, it's it's the mindset, and you know they they take players and only keep them for Gaelic at such a young age. When I played Gaelic, I was known as a soccer player. Like that's just the way it was. Even though I predominantly played Gaelic in Donegal, because there wasn't that much soccer. Um, and I, I heard a good talk, and I can't remember who was t- uh, who was on the discussion panel, but it was talking about that and what the, the FEI need to do and what we need to do as a country to to improve. And there is, unfortunately, we have a very, very parish strong based sport that has a lot of pull and a lot of young players and families. But, you know, the FEI really do need to target. That's why at the underage and get the players early on and just improve structures from, from, the, from the ground up. Where you're reluctant to move back into soccer then after having that experience and that professionalism in the GAA. You would think that, Conan, but no. So, uh, <laughs> as I said, I've been a soccer player my entire life and always will be. But um, I actually, I broke my hand playing Gaelic, which was a bit of a, an issue. Um, and then I came back to play the 2019 season. But at that stage, you know, I, I was starting to kind of, you know, that that want to get back to soccer was definitely growing. I was kind of work was settling down. I'd done my internship. I was, you know, over the line. Um, I was still back home in Donegal, so I decided to play or sign with Science Swifts, and I think that was the best decision I've made in my life because, you know, the Northern Irish League is very good, but it's not just as competitive as the South here. So I went back very much with the mindset of let's just go enjoy this, and I really did. And within you know a few months training, I was really getting myself back up to kind of trying to trying to be the best player I could, and you know started doing some one on one sessions with people, and then I took the job with RCSI and. Before I'd even taken the job, I was contacting the girls in Dublin about teams and stuff. And then I suppose my roots were with Rohini, um, way prefer the north side um, of Dublin. Um, but no, so I, I spoke to Pearl kind of directly, Pearl and Rachel Graham. And, you know, and that's when I decided to, to move back to Shelburne. So um, I can't say they came calling, I called them. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still, it's a very, uh, a very fruitful move for you, considering that you were called up to the recent international squads against... Iceland, that must have been a, a wonderful time and moment for you to, to be able to get that call up. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, I kind of had, I'd set that as my goal. Um, it's, it's, you know, as you get older, I think back when I, when I was a regular on the national team, it was just kind of something I was doing. It was like, I, I went to college, I went to the gym, I went to training, you know, I was in with the Irish setup. Whereas I think when you've taken that step back and then suddenly this is all I wanted to do and I wanted to get back up to that level. I'd been in there as the doctor and seen how professional and how elite the girls were and the professionalism within the players coming back from England, Germany. And yeah, so I just started putting my head down and working hard and just, you know, just little things during the week trying to see how I could get myself better and if that's recovering a little bit better or just working on a few few parts of my game and you know the shells training sessions are of a really good standard um you know technically they're you know I think our passing stats are absolutely insane for the season like we're we're a very footballing team and that's exactly what I needed because you know I, I was pretty happy with how I read a game running a game but it was the technical side of the game that I need to prove on and you know that has definitely helped me um and even you know we had four of us five of us going away um if Emily Whelan hadn't been injured so it just shows the standard of the team we have in Shelburne, but also the standard of the league. And there's mm. Jamie Finn, you know, playing week in, week out, and then going on and getting player match appearance. Ava O'Man coming on against Iceland and, you know, didn't look out of place at all. And she's only 18. Like, so it just shows there is standard there in the league. Unfortunately, just a few of the games are still a little bit mismatched. But if we can improve the standard of all of the teams, 
it's just going to get better and better and we're going to have players who can compete here and play at international level it um it sounds to me that you i don't know i don't know whether i'm getting this right but would you like to consider um playing at a more not a more professional level but even move abroad to play in scotland or, or in england would that be something that would interest you i yes conan um yeah absolutely like i you know i'm 28 now i want to kind of see how far i can get in my career um i want to push myself i want to learn more i want to see see how, how much better i can get as a player um and i think the only way to do that is be in a professional setup and training with better players you know the better players that are around you the better you're going to need to be if you want to you know if you want to get on that team and absolutely i think for yeah like kind of a self-motivation way i just want to to be in that environment and try and push myself to see see where i can get to um but it, it's quite hard i think to even with you know uh international cv that i have to get to make that move um you know there's a lot of lot of players playing in england and scotland um but no so we'll, we'll just see what what happens um you know coming to the end of the season and stuff but absolutely i would love to love to make the step up it's interesting it's though to hear you say that um like given presumably the amount of work that you would have put into um you know becoming a doctor i know it's it's something that you could put on pause for for a few years while you while you were playing but it would be a big decision it would and you know I've done a lot of a lot of thinking about it but i think talking to people older than me is, is great because both in the uh, football setup and in the work setup because I have my qualifications, you know, I, I'm over the line. I've had two good years now lecturing experience and doing a, a master's online um, in sports medicine that I can kind of bring forward over the next few years as well. But as you said, I have that bit of safety net. Like, you know, you have to take risks in life. You have to, you have to push yourself um, out of your comfort zone. And I think I'm very much ready to do that. I did that with academia. Um, so my secondary school teacher still can't believe that I qualified as a doctor. Um, <laughs> so I think now it's time time for football. And just going over to Iceland with the girls and stuff gave me that more, a little bit of reassurance that, you know, I can play at that level. I can compete at that level. Um, and I, I think I would just love the professional environment. And I think going into a professional environment as an older person, I'd be well more able to adapt to it and you know a lot of people talk about the, the extra free time and stuff you have but um you know i have a lot of a lot of hobbies that i can i can start again <laughs> there's a keyboard here that hasn't been played in a long time <laughs> <laughs> well listen um it's great talking to you uh kira thanks a million uh, as i said for, for for giving us your time and um best of luck this weekend in the the big match against uh it's gonna be a good one it is it is indeed two o'clock Excellent. Well, listen, best of luck with that. And thanks again, Kira, for talking to us. Thanks very much, guys. I think it's really interesting, Conan, listening to both Kira and Kylie speaking there about what they're looking for for women's football here. A little bit more recognition. I think the whole pay for play thing, you know, people might realize that, that some of these players are actually paying for the right to play in the Women's National League. You know, they're buying their own sandwiches after matches it's you know we still have a way to go oh we do and considering like some of these players are international players con um yeah it really is incredible but as i said listen to the two listen to the two girls they were absolutely superb really really um like you could just sense their professionalism professionalism and how yeah how they could impact on their teams both of them in different ways um yeah and i know that the pfei have helped along the way with the with the women's with the women's game in, in ireland and um, 
but yeah, I think as I said, I've, I keep saying this, kind of clubs should be doing more too. Um, I think they rely too heavily on on FAI, if I'm being honest. Yeah. And um, I think yes, the more can be done from them, definitely. Yeah, and just on a local level. Yeah, just on a local level, and, and that yeah. like paying to play for at national level is is yeah. criminal, con. It really is, and yeah. uh, hopefully that gets sorted soon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, listen, before we go, let's have a chat about the first division this weekend. So, uh, again, some uh, really interesting results. Bray beat Cove 2-1, Ian Turner. Oh, by the way, just before we leave the Women's National League, both Kira and Kylie won this weekend. So, LOI Arena run good uh, for them. Not such uh, LOI Arena run good for Ian Turner, though, because he scored for Cove, but they lost 2-1 against Bray. Um, Galway 2-0 winners against uh, UCD Galway's uh, good run continues Shelburne a last minute own goal against uh, Cavan Alex Aspel to give the three points to Shells there the table toppers uh, Treaty United 3-2 win against Cork City at Turner's Cross two penalties in that game for Treaty for Kieran Hanlon and Wexford 4 Athlone 4 in an incredible game um, it, you know Athlone two late goals there 4-2 down with five minutes to go and it finishes for all so you were saying like lots of goals in the prem this uh, weekend also in the women's national league and also in the first division absolutely yeah and signing champions in shelburne like as we talked about 91st minute still never given in it, it was like a hopeful ball into the box though and keeper has to come and claim it didn't hear him and the alex aspel just heads the head tries tries to clear it goes over the keeper's head into the goal one nil game over last last minute um, and funnily enough, the, obviously the women's team then did the exact same thing 24 hours later and uh, win, win a game in, in stoppage time too. Um, Wexford's game against Athlone, kind of like obviously Kyle Robinson um, scores a hat-trick. They're 2-0 up, 3-1 up, 4-2 up. And they're 4-2 up with five minutes to go. And they concede two goals in the last five minutes to, to, to draw with Athlone. Like... Wexford wouldn't be the type of team to score four goals in a game over the last number of seasons. So to be able to do that is is impressive. But they haven't conceded that many goals either. And we've talked about that. They lose, yeah, they lose yeah. by the odd goal. So to concede goals like that, it's, it's as if that when they scored, they panicked. Yeah. And um, yeah, they panicked and just retreated and let the opposition come onto them. And... Athlone scored uh, two late goals through uh, Shane Barnes and, and Adam Wickstead. And um, very great. I don't know if you saw Wilson Maru's goal um, for Galway. The Galway, oh, Galway yeah. Was, he, he, the ball was just played up to him. And he just did this brilliant turn that sent the UCD player off for a snack box. He was gone. <laughs> and then lovely tidy finish as well to, to, to make it 2-0. Rory Keaton scored a, a good goal in the first half as well. And they're on it. They're doing really, really well now, Colm. We've talked about them, how they were struggling at the, at the early part of the season. But it's like it's just something's clicked now. Um, obviously, they'll never catch Shelburne 11 points clear. But we did say at the start, Colm, first and second will be Shelburne Galway. And it's certainly looking that way. But I think the result of the weekend has to be Turner's Cross. Um, yeah, Treaty United. Treaty United again. We've talked about them numerous times this season. Um like for them to be on sitting on 25 points after 14 games is incredible considering what preseason they had first and foremost. But to be going down to Turner's Cross, now obviously they're not the Cork City that we're used to, but to go 1-0 up early through a penalty, 
go two one down at halftime, and then that fight back. They just have this never say die attitude. They always score these like I'm not saying they scored late, but they always have this ninety minute attitude. They just do not give in. And um, Tommy Barris doing a wonderful job down there. Um, really, really good. And obviously Bray as well, two one win. Joe Doyle both goals um, coming from behind victory. So yeah, fascinating results in the first division. Nothing changes. I think we're going to be talking about this from from now until the end of the season in terms of who's going to win the league. Um, but the playoff positions are going to be very interesting, Con. Obviously, Galway 25, Treaty on 25, UCD on 22. Poor result, poor result for them at home to, yeah. home to Galway. They're slipping off. Um, Bray are, are on the rise a little bit. They're on, Still in the hunt, yeah, yeah with 21, 21 points. points yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's very interesting. I think it's between those uh, uh, those positions. Athlone and three points back and Kevin Teeley both on 18. I can't see anybody else fighting for that playoff spot. I know Cove yeah. would be looking to, to grab in. If they had a held on against Bray, perhaps... Um, they would have they would have jumped up to seventeen points, but I I can't see uh, I can't see those too much change in that top six. Mm. And and next uh, up, Treaty are at home to Shelburne, so that's going to be a good test for Tommy Barrett's uh, boys there to see if they can dent Shelburne. But an eleven point gap at the top, it's looking insurmountable uh, at this point. Uh, what about the just briefly before we go um, European action this week? Obviously, we hope the teams from the league do well um are you optimistic or what um yes i am um i think sligo have a have a a great opportunity uh no look i'll I'll be honest i think both all teams have have a great chance to go through um yeah i think rovers have the toughest one but i do do think that they all have a brilliant opportunity of getting through like we've been talking about in previous years at european time where we'd be like oh there's a sniff of a chance here. We wouldn't be too optimistic, but this time around, I fancy ourselves to like a good few of the teams to get through here. I'm not expecting everyone to get through, mm-hmm. but the way Shamrock Rovers, with the quality that they have, con I know they haven't been they, they haven't been lighting up the league like they have, but they do have some serious quality in that side. I know we talked about Richie Tell coming in; he was at fault for, obviously for the first goal um, on Friday night, but. You can't you can't deny his quality on the pitch and the, yeah. and the goals that he, he can bring and the chances that he'll create. Um, I thought Ronan Finn was outstanding too, and like these type of these European games that come up for 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 these um, for these players, they're they're used to it. Shamrock Rovers, Dundalk are used to it. I, Sligo, I think they won't be too bad. At, like Bohemians as well, they've a lot of young players, and you might worry for Bohemians, and even though they you might fancy them to go through, but it's just in terms of the experience that they have at that level and um, playing at the Aviva stadium as well. Like how will they, how will they deal with that as, as, as players? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be fascinating. I'm really, really looking forward to the ties. Oh, me too. Me too. And you just kind of hope that Bose have a, a night where they perform like they played against St. Pat's the other night, rather than a night where they played against Sligo the week before and lost four 0 But uh, they, I mean, they're they're capable of turning it on, all right. Um, yeah, we'll keep the fingers crossed. I'm I'm hopeful, uh, more than optimistic, and I I, I also think maybe it's, we're running long now, so we might come back to this another time. But I I always want um, every club in the league to do well. I know fans from some clubs are very uh, they they'd kill me for saying that. And they say no, we only want our own club. We don't want other clubs in the league getting extra money that they can buy better players and blah 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 but I think the league as a whole um, benefits when our clubs do well the coefficient improves and 
whatever. Yeah, of course. Like, I know you're going to hear fans from maybe from diehard Shamrock Rovers fans uh, saying that they don't want Bohemians to win, and li- likewise. And you can understand that. Look, you, you can. But in terms of the overall grand scheme of things, it's great to see League of Ireland clubs doing well. Um, and you mightn't fully support them, but you don't want them, like, failing. Do you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, Shamrock Rovers have the toughest draw, there's no doubt about it. But look, we'll, uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed for all teams. Absolutely. All right, Conan, um, we'll talk to you next week. Um, you, Of course, the, the, in the Premier, there's a couple of games are off because of those European games, but Finn Harps play Waterford, St. Pat's play Derry, and Longford will take on Drogheda. You'll be at the St. Pat's Derry match at Inchicore, so good luck with that. Yeah. And um, we'll talk to you next week. Will indeed, Con. Take care. Take care. All the best. <laughs>